Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live-action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question... Hey, does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? Hey, my name's Megan. And I'm Steve. (laughs) You see what I did there? That's called ad-libbing. Yeah, I got that. And today, we are, it does show people that we do say it every time. It's not just a recording. Um, Today, we are talking about Camp Nowhere, the 1994 live action film. Yep. And this is our summer pick. We just talked about Salute Your Shorts last episode, and this episode we're doing Camp Nowhere, so two camp-themed things. Yeah. You can find Camp Nowhere on Disney+, Plus, and if you don't have Disney+, Plus, you can rent it on, or buy it on Amazon Prime. But before... Our non-sponsored snack review. Right. So today, we're keeping with the dirt camp theme. Last time we had dirt, this time we have... Gummy worms. Gummy worms. All right. Now, these are, I don't want to say not legitimate gummy worms. (laughs) They're not the most famous kind. Because the most famous kinds that I found, here, take a couple. You see how they're a little bit smaller? All of the ones that I found. Oh, these are babies. Yeah. All the ones that I found, like the typical gummy worms, had um, were made with wheat glucose syrup. And, and obviously, I can't have those. So, these are Albanese World's Best. They are made in the USA and not Albania, as the name implies. Okay. So, so I'm going to tell you a little bit of history. That's watermelon. Mmm. Looks pretty good. Um, you, you can't have any, Lucy. Our dog came up immediately as soon as we opened the package. We have a really professional studio here. So... Gummy candy has been popular since 1864. Wow, that's pretty far. Friars of Lancashire made Lancashire. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to our UK listeners for butchering that. But they made this gelatin-based candy called Unclaimed Babies. Then, I don't, I think like Jelly Babies. That's dark. No. (laughs) Yeah, that is, now that I think of the name of it, (laughs) but that is what they called it. Um. Then in the 1920s, Hans Regal of Germany, um, he was from Bonn, uh, and he started the Haribo Company. H-A for Hans, R-I for Regal, and B-O-N, or B-O for Bonn. Okay. Haribo. And that's where we get the gummy bears. And that is what started gummy bears. So he was kind of a poor confectionery and decided to go out on his own, decided that something, they needed something different. Right. Oh, that's an interesting. Pineapple is mine, I think. <laughs> I was going to say mango. Yeah, we both looked at each other and ate kind of a weird flavor, but we're not eating the same no, color. you're not in my mouth. <laughs> no. Well, not right now. <laughs> oh. Um, so, at any rate, uh, Haribo Company, he wanted something different. He started playing around with different... Um, soft gelatin candy and and at that and at that time the teddy bear was really popular the teddy bear came out in 1902 around the time he started his company but he came up with the idea of the gummy bear in about 1922 okay he was like hey 
maybe bears instead of unclaimed children. Yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so it's a German... It's a German candy, initially, and then the Gummy Worm was another German confectionery company, Trolley, and they basically, in 1981, so about 60 years after the Gummy Bear, they came up with the Gummy Worm. They wanted something that would appeal to kids that parents would be like, oh, that's right. It's a little weird. But that's crazy to me that, because again, this is like... um. What was the other candy that we talked about that was from the 80s? Oh, it was uh, Big League Chew. Yeah, like Big League Chew, right? It's about that same time. But because this was when we were like so little, mm-hmm. like too little even to eat candy, it's just something that I thought had been around forever. So, Gummy worms. Yeah, when yeah. I initially did the research, I figured that at the it would maybe be like 50s, 60s. Yeah. But it really is something just started in our generation, which is interesting to me. We see the long evolution between babies to bears to worms. Yeah, yeah. And there's all sorts of different ones, right? There's like fruit rings and all of that. But I think the gummy bear and the gummy worm are kind of the enduring, like probably they're the biggest selling of all the types. Yeah, and then they use those, like you said, the rings and things like that. To sprout off into other things. Other places used them as the base kind of model. Like in a few weeks, we're going to do Sour Patch Kids. Right. Which is kind of a gummy, but then with sour stuff on the outside. Yeah, and also a lot of the fruit slices had that same grainy stuff on the outside of them as well. Like the gummy fruit. I I don't like those. So, that's a little bit of history about the gummy worm, where they came from. Awesome. And we are... Back at camp, but last time we already raided out of cabins. What are we going to do this time? All right, it's a camp, so we're going to go pine trees. Okay. All right. Um, if you haven't joined us before, one out of five for the stack. Oh, the last snack, I gave it a ten. Yeah, you <laughs> I got confused. One out of five pine trees for the stack. One out of ten for the show. Yep. So or the movie, yes. The movie in this case, yeah. So what are you going to give... Gummy worms. You know, I like gummy worms, but they're nothing, like, fantastic. Yeah. They're kind of average. So I'm going to go with the three because, like, I like them better than Smarties and, like, some, as you know, I don't, there's certain candies that are just not my jam. Um, But, you know, I would sit down and eat gummy worms. Like, I just enjoyed a handful myself. But they're not, like, they don't wow me. Yeah. Right? So probably a three. I feel kind of the same way. I think as kids, especially when these first came out, they're they're supposed to be kind of a gross out factor. Like you'd pull them in between you and somebody else, see how far they could stretch, especially on a hot day like today. Um, But I don't really... I like some... I like some other like gummy fruit snacks. Like Welch's does like a really good fruit snack. Yes. You know? I never really liked gummy bears or gummy worms. I'm going to give it a two. I'm a Swedish fish fanatic. Right. And which is also a gummy of some sort. But they're, that has a different it's consistency. Different. Yeah. And it's more opaque as well. These mm-hmm. are kind of see-through. I also, this particular brand, no offense to this brand. Again, it's, it's to me, it's just not my thing. The flavors were kind of weird. There's like watermelon, pineapple, raspberry, like... Just cherry, lemon, and like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess. Some basics. Yeah, some more basics. So. Yeah. Two 
pine, pine trees, trees out of five. Out of five. Yeah, it's not ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's two and a half pine trees out of five for our snack. But kind of neat to know where it comes from. Um, okay, so let's get a summary of Camp Nowhere. Okay, so again, for those of you who haven't heard us before, right now I'm going to give a very, very brief summary. And then after Megan talks about the history and fat, fun facts and we take a quick commercial break, we're going to come back and then kind of do a deep dive. Mm-hmm. So summary, brief summary of Camp Nowhere. This is a movie about a small group of kids who are sort of sick of their parents shipping them off to summer camp. Yeah. We talked a little bit last week about summer camp um, but and how people kids used to go to it a lot. This actually is kind of a transition because last week we talked about kids that just went to regular summer camp. Mm -hmm. This is more like we said, nowadays a lot of the camps tend to be more specific. Right. And so like the the main character, Morris Mudd, is like he gets shipped off to computer camp. There's another kid whose dad sends him to military camp. A girl who goes to fat camp. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't need to go to fat camp. We'll talk about um, that. And then uh, another girl who goes to acting camp. Right. And they're just kind of sick of going and spending the summer in this place where they don't know anybody. They they have this, you know, these strict agendas. And so this small group of kids comes up with this idea to convince their parents that they're going to a new camp, collect the money, and then they just like hang out together for eight weeks and don't have to do any of that nonsense. Right. And they enlist the help of a former acting teacher, mm-hmm. a drama teacher from middle school who doesn't work there anymore, um, but he's very good at disguises <laughs> and acting, apparently. Well, um, very good is, we'll get into that, So too. he meets with each set of parents and basically um, disguises himself and portrays someone running a different type of camp. Right. Depending on what they normally go to. Right. And convinces the parents to send them off. Um, of course, after they get this all set and ready to run, a number of other kids hear about it and want in, and want in. So in total, there's about 20 or 30 kids probably. Yeah, probably about, I would say probably, yeah. yeah Who end up on this scheme. And so they get, sh- they basically end up at this old camp that they rent. Um, and they spend the summer there. Fun ensues. So does trouble. Um, they run into some snags, but throughout the summer, they kind of, you know, have to le- learn to work together a little bit. Then they have to, it culminates with Parents' Day, where parents all want to show up, um, and they have to kind of overcome that major challenge. And then it wraps up at the end, and they can kind of learn a lesson. Yeah. So it's it's really kind of a neat summer campy kind of movie. And the parents kind of learn lessons to a little bit to yep. a certain extent. Definitely. Yeah, so that's uh basically that's the movie in a nutshell. Nice summary. Some history and fun facts about Camp Nowhere. This movie, let's start with the cast. Yes. This movie has a phenomenal cast. And it is surprising to me how many people who were like stars at the time in other ways ended up being in this movie. Yeah. Like in supporting roles. And then how many kids who ended up being bigger stars later. Yeah. So for example, just with the adults, Christopher Lloyd is uh Dennis. Yep. The who sort of the de facto camp counselor, but really a con man. Mm-hmm. Right? Tom Wilson 
who was in all three Back to the Future movies with Christopher Lloyd. He played Biff. Yep. And um, Buford Tannen in the in the one back in the 1800s. Yep. Um, he has a role as a, mm-hmm. a sheriff. Then we have Jonathan Frakes, who played Riker on Star Trek. Yep. He has a very minor role as, as a, a parent. parent. He yep. just has like kind of uh, one line, but he comes in with his real wife, Jeannie Francis. Yeah. I don't know how they ended up here. And for it's a hilarious day. because this is 94, so he's got the beard. Because yeah, he's a bearded writer already. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's not like it before Star Trek. Then we have Burgess Meredith who makes a cameo. He's yes. the guy who owns the camp, who lets them like rent it. And he has this hilarious speech about how it used to be a hippie commune at one point. And Christopher Lloyd's like, I re- I knew I was here before. Yes. So they have a fun interaction. Um, I mentioned Kate Mulgrew. Kate Mulgrew. No, you didn't yet. Kate Mulgrew plays the um, mother of Trish, who's supposed to be at Broadway camp. Yep. Right? So she has a place. And, of course, we know her as Captain Janeway from Voyager, Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, and was that after this? Voyager it was 95, 96, Been maybe? around the same time or but a little it's after, close to yeah. This, my point is, she already had a pretty good career. So, yeah, so Voyager ended, or started in 95, so this is right before she was in Voyager, She's, I mean, it probably filmed in 93. Yeah, it's just funny because Christopher Lloyd was in a Star Trek movie. Right. The third one? Uh, Search for Spock. Right. And then Kate Mulgrew was in Star Trek. And Jonathan Frakes was in Star Trek. Yes. So there, oh, and I actually do have, I forgot in my notes. So Jonathan Jackson, who plays Morris Mudd, the lead The lead, kid, yep. He was actually played Lucky Spencer on General Hospital starting in 1993. Okay. And Jeannie Francis played his mom on that show. She's married to Jonathan Frakes, so that's why they come in and do a cameo. Interesting. And Star Trek The Next Generation was in their last season at this year. So Jonathan Frakes was probably looking a way to break out. Yeah, maybe. Because their last season ended in 94. Yeah. So he's probably looking for movie stuff because he knows the show's ending. Yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Um, so the, and the last adult big name, I would say, is M. Emmett Walsh is in this. Okay. And he played Mr. Polk, the guy who's trying to find the teacher. Yes. And he's a huge character actor. He has a long list of movie um, careers, right? And some of the famous ones you know him from, he was in Hen- uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Mm. He was in Critters. Uh, he was in Christmas with the Cranks. He plays this type of character a lot, though. Like he a does. curmudgeonly. Curmudgeonly, and usually in comedies. Yeah. Um, he was also in The Best of Times, mm. which was a awesome movie with Kurt Russell and Robin Williams about guys that go to their high school reunion and try to basically restart their football career yeah that's an underrated film it is yeah yeah so um yeah so let's talk about the kids jonathan jackson played morris mudd as i said he was on general hospital from 93 to 99 and here's the thing that people i think today don't maybe understand how big soap operas were um, they had daytime Emmys because there were so many daytime programs that... Yeah, it was and, its own categories, basically. And he he won multiple Emmys. Um, he was nominated six times. He won the first in 95, and then again in 98, 99. 
So he stayed on the show for a while after being yeah. a kid. Okay. He was the youngest actor category. Well, if he started in 93, he probably, let's see when he was born, 82. So he was 11 when he started. Yeah. And So he was 14 when he won his first Emmy. Yeah, 14 when he won his first Emmy. So he's like the youngest, one of the youngest people to do that. And then um, he was on that show on and off, like, you know how soap opera people are. Right. Until 2015. Oh, so they kept him as a recurring character to come yeah. back quite some time. Okay. For, for quite a number of things. Um, he did a few movies, Tuck Everlasting. He played Jesse Tuck, the one with um the girl from Gilmore Girls. Okay. He also did a few smaller movies. And he did some episodes of Boy Meets World. Um, and then he was on Nashville from 2012 till 2018. So overlapping with General, General Hospital. Hospital yep. He was the main cast on that show. Oh, okay. That's a show that I liked. Then I ended up getting rid of TV and I never got to really see it. Yeah, I really never watched that show. See it. Um, he also has had numerous soundtrack appearances because he's in a band. So he did quite a bit, you know. Um, then we have... Marnette Patterson, who played Trish, um, and she did, again, some smaller roles. She did, like, Wild Things, American Sniper, Star Trip Troopers 3, like, yeah. some smaller roles. Um, Gabby was played by Melody Kay, again. Who didn't really have a long career, I don't think, afterwards. No, not too many, not too many things. Um, Never Ending Story 3. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know? that's a directed to, to video. Yeah, because some things kind of like that. Um, then we have Hillary Tuck, who when I was a kid, uh, we'll talk about this movie, I thought she was like the coolest in this movie. <laughs> um, Hillary Tuck played Betty, and she was in a number of things. She did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show, which ran for a number of years. Yep. Um, and she did things like she was in episodes of Roseanne, Boy Meets World, Judging Amy, House, Bones, Ghost Whisper, like a lot of a character per actor, right? right. Like a working um, actress, as they right. say. And then we have this strange kind of tidbit that um, Andrew Keegan... Yep. Who some people might remember. What was the thing you remembered him from? Uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. Ten Things I Hate About You. He was also an O. So, yeah, two Shakespearean-derived movies, right? right? And then he... Was he in Tom and Huck, or was that... I feel like he was. He played a number of roles in, like, teenage comedies. Yeah, they were trying to make him, like, a heartthrob. Yeah, in the later 90s. Right? And basically... He left acting to start what he called the Full Circle Religion. Oh, interesting. And that is a church run by a core group of eight people who take the actor's word as, quote, the ultimate say on all things. I like that. You you like that? <laughs> oh, that's horrifying. Yeah. Um, so, so he started a cult. Uh, yeah. I mean, he calls it a new religion, but... Let, let's call a spade a spade. It's a cult. Yeah. And that to me is interesting because also in the cast, who has only a couple of lines. Allison Mack. Allison Mack. Our girl from Smallville <laughs> and <laughs> sex cults. <laughs> and our our town that we lived in for a little right. while. 
<laughs> we call her our girl because we have a friend who lived uh, upstairs from who her. lived upstairs from her and we lived like about two blocks away from what was a huge cult yeah. um the nexium cult it was a, a mixture of a cult and a multi-level marketing which yeah. aren't all mlms right but Allison Mack is very young in this. Yeah. We actually had to pause the, the, the movie for a minute and go, oh, that's her right there. Yep. Um, but you can make out her, her signature blonde, you know, very blonde hair. Um, and she she has some distinct features facially. And her innocent looking face that yeah. tricked many women into well, coming into you know, Nexium. She had, like I said, we know her first from Smallville. And she w- played a great role in that for many years. Mm-hmm. So she had some acting chops a little bit. Yeah. You know, this is before that even. I mean, right. she's, what would you guess, 13, 14 maybe? No, no, I think she's younger. I thought she was playing young. No, well, pre- I mean, because she is small statured. She mm-hmm. was born in 82. This is 94. 12. So yeah, 12. Yeah. Just a very small 12. She's supposed to, she's supposed to be like a, a little sister figure for Trish. Yes. But tr- she and Trish were basically born the same. I think yeah. the girl who played Trish was also born at 82, 80, so she's yeah. two, She's 14. Um, at any rate, it's also the film debut for Jessica Alba. Yeah, who's in a lot of same shots with Allison Mack. Yes, and she doesn't have any lines. Now, she plays Gail, and at one point, Mud Morrison is running through the woods, and he goes, oh, hey, Gail, and she's making out with somebody, and I feel like there were deleted scenes that we didn't get. Like, possibly Gail had more lines. It, did he say... And it's in the rain. She's in the rain. It's raining and she's kissing somebody. Are you sure? No. <laughs> Are you sure he said, he said Gail? Because I thought it was Zach and Trish making out. No. Because they don't kiss till later. Oh, okay. Right? Because, yeah, but they were like some of the older kids in the group, whereas... I mean, like you said, it's the debut of Jessica Alba, and she plays young. She's yeah, about the she same does. as Allison Mack. She does. Probably like a 12, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, at any rate, I just say it had a great cast. Um, you know, whether or not the kids went on to do other things, I think the cast is wonderful. It filmed at Disney's famed Golden Oak Ranch. They filmed a lot of things at Golden Oak Ranch because it was an outdoor space that could be kind of used for various things, right? So mm-hmm. um uh parts of Back to the Future part three yes. were filmed there as well. Um so yeah, those are I don't really have too many fun facts outside of that. I don't I, I've looked and I couldn't really find anything about why it was made or how it was made or you know, it's not like based on a book or anything like that. So. No, no, and there's not a lot of data on it. Yeah. But that's a little bit about what the what the cast did before and after and where it was filmed. So we're going to take a break here and we're going to throw it to our friends at S1E1, another independent podcast that we enjoy. And when we come back, we'll talk about our memories um, or lack thereof. And then we will get into our full review and recap. Hey, everyone. Nick here from the S1E1 podcast. 
Each week, we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and ignoring anything we may know about the future run of that series, decide if it's a show that we want to greenlight or cancel. We very seriously dissect TV shows for no reason at all. I gotta pee. Fucking old timey. Ah, I got a Frankenstein on my show. You should know because right now you're dressed like a London DJ. <laughs> Moving forward, unless there's anything else depressing about my life you want to bring up. That's impressive to find that many bad shows. Who's Boner? I don't even know what a Banksy is. Catch us each week wherever you listen to podcasts and visit us at s1e1pod.com for links to everywhere you can find us. Okay, welcome back. I am Steve. I'm Megan. And we're going to jump into memories. So, uh, Megan, what memories do you have of Camp Nowhere? So, I picked this movie because, well, we had Field of Dreams as our other kind of summer pick film. And I felt like that one was geared more toward adults. And I wanted one that was specifically made for kids, but not animated. Right. And there are, at, at this point in time, I think that that was a market that was just kind of coming into its own. Like you had teen movies and you had little kid movies, but kind of like with books, you didn't really have middle grade stuff right. as much. So salute your shorts that we listened, that we watched last week. Um, and this are kind of in that same age range. Mm -hmm. And this was a movie that 94, I was kind of like just coming out of that fate because I would have been 14. Yeah. Um. So just kind of coming out of that. My brother's four years younger, so he's just coming into that phase mm -hmm. of life. So it just kind of hit for both of us at the right time. Like for me as kind of the older one in the person in a movie yeah um and for and somebody who had already been to camp mm -hmm. and for him kind of like uh, oh all these kids like when you go to camp you just have fun and like you're free you know right <laughs> that right. kind of thing and i think we saw it at the at the drive-in or initially yeah but i wanted to uh talk we were talking last time specifically about camp memories and i wanted to I wanted to talk more just to kind of explain. So Steve was making fun of me during and then after the show about the fact that I went to an academic camp called Mind Stretchers. That is true. Now, I looked it up to see if it was still going on. It was this program at this very small college called Cuca College. And Cuca is on the Finger Lakes. So if you're not from New York State, there are lakes that... There are like five or six of them, but they look like a hand. Yep. So it's called, they're called the Finger Lakes. Cuca is right on the lake, the college. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't think that it's, they have the camp anymore. But I found this girl who wrote a blog and I just want to read you a little bit of what she said. First, she says, um, we picked three classes um, prior to attending the camp, we had to sign up for three classes that we'd take throughout each day. One academic, one artistic, and one athletic. So she took psychology, where she learned about Freud, mm -hmm. and acting class, where they would do, like, acting games, and then soccer. Right. I took the one year and the other year kind of blend for me, because I went there two years in a row. But I took um, 
one year for my athletic was new games, which was just like, like fun games that you'd play like at camp, mm-hmm. right? Um, things that they they kind of made up. Yeah. And then my other year, I took fencing where we learned stage fencing, <laughs> um, and it was really fun. And then my um, artistic, I think the one year I did take theater. The other year I took uh, journalism for the artistic. Okay. And then. I also had the one year for my academic class was Shakespeare and we read Midsummer Night's Dream and then we put it on as a production. Like we were still on book, obviously. You're not going to memorize Shakespeare in a week. Right. But we put it on as a production. Um, and this is what she says. Um, she talks about a paper that she wrote and she says, we even had our meals in the dining hall. For some reason, the walk from the dorm to the dining hall always made me feel like an adult. An adult in college, and I felt so cool. To clarify, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because that is 100% how I felt at the time. Mm-hmm. And in between those classes, we did fun things. Like there was a camp store. You had to get a... um. We had a little, like, board up in the dorms where we stayed, and you would put which activity you were doing. So if you were going to swimming, if you were going to the lake, um, if you were going to the swimming, um, the pool on the Mm -hmm. college camp, um, if you were going to um, do, like, rec time or whatever, you'd put where you were so that they could keep track of you, which is a horrible system. Because you're relying on 13-year-olds to tell you the truth. But we were nerdy 13-year-olds, so for the most part, we did. (laughs) Um, But she said that she ended up staying home for college. So her experience at camp was more like the actual college experience of staying in the dorms and eating in the dining hall and all that kind of thing. And that she realized later... It was probably just a giant ploy on behalf of the college admissions team attempting to lure impressionable kids with fun memories of summer camp in order to go there. For At their college. college. Yeah, 100%. I almost went there. Um, the it re- worked. Well, sorry. Yeah, it did. It did. For me, it did. I really almost went there. My reasoning for not... Um, it was a very smaller school, so they have kind of limited majors Mm. that you could do. And it was also, for me, a tiny bit too close to home. Now, you know when you go away to college, if you're a half hour away and you're living in the dorm, you're never going home. But I really wanted to go out of state. Um, And then I ended up getting a scholarship, um, so that's where I ended up going initially. But I think that... You know, the idea, there's two things I want to say. The first is that these are, for me at least, great memories of all the different summer camps that I went to. I did go to Girl Scout camp, like, overnight, um, like, weekends. Right. Um, And the Christian camp that I went to for a couple weeks, this camp, the um, Upper Bound that I talked about. But they were great memories of, of being a kid and kind of, like you said last time, being with people where there's shared interests. So you're with 12 other kids who voluntarily wanted to read Shakespeare in the summer in, in like seventh grade, sixth mm-hmm. or seventh grade. So like years beyond when we would actually be reading it in school. Yeah. Right. And um, the other thing though is, and I think we see it with camp nowhere that you do have this shift of people pressuring kids 
to do things that will look good later on college applications at younger and younger and younger ages. Right. And this is where we start to come into with, I think people a little bit younger than us got this more. Millennials, I think, got it more than we did. Mm -hmm. But helicopter parenting and you should volunteer because that'll look good on your college application. And you should go to enrichment camp because that'll be good later. And then you'll get into AP classes and then you'll be able to get into a good college. And away from... The idea of camp in the 50s, 60s, 70s of just you go out and you enjoy nature and you might learn some wilderness skills, but for the most part, you're having fun. Right. Right? And some of my friends later, like, they did go to volleyball camp where it was hardcore volleyball, like, they were training and lifting and playing and learning new skills or soccer camp was mm-hmm. another one that um, a couple of my friends went to. So it's those kind of things that I think the kids in this movie are rebelling against. Like, just let us be kids. You right. know? So I know you didn't see this movie, but what memories did you... Well, I have seen it. I you mean, have? Well, when I, once we were watching it, I was like, oh yeah, I think I have seen this before. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I probably saw it as a rerun somewhere. Yeah. Like on TV because as I'm looking at this, you know, it came out in 94, the summer most likely. I was probably, but I was going into my junior year of high school. Right. This would have been a, been a little young for me. Yeah. Um, and I was working at summer camp and stuff in that summer, so we didn't watch a lot of movies necessarily because we were busy. Uh, but yeah, so, it, you know, it did touch, it did connect a little bit to me especially with the end during the parents' day situation, right. which is kind of like when the climax of the movie. Um, they're, you know, trying to run four different camps at once. Mm-hmm. So as the parents move, they're, like, coming ahead of them and switching the camp over. Right. So it's computer or fat camp or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and it reminded me, when I was program director for a number of years of the camp that I worked at, we would always be visited during the summer by national Boy Scouts mm. who showed up and they basically walked through and inspected your camp while it was running and basically kind of certified you or gave you like an accreditation. No pressure. Right? Yeah, yeah. no kidding. <laughs> yeah. And so they would go and visit all the areas as the kid, while as people were doing, you know, kids were there doing stuff, stuff, things like that. And so every year when that happened, I would like, you know, we'd have one or two people walking with them bringing them on tour and i would run ahead to the next area and be like get like make sure you're ready like national they're on their way they're coming to your area and i had like because in my job as a program director is i oversaw all the program areas right right so you know swimming boating um you know scout skills which is knots and fire building right right sports um archery bbs nature um, crafts, right? We had all these, so probably like eight or nine areas. Mm-hmm. And I just spent the day running one area ahead of the group, prepping the next group for the visit. <laughs> and oh it, so it goodness. reminded me a little bit of what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'd, we'd be on like radios to people and be like, where are they? Where, you know, where are they going? So is that was, that kind of was pretty funny. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, so great, great memories of camp. Yeah. Maybe not specifically of this movie, but great memories of camp. And, um, <laughs> all right, so I'm just picturing you running around like that. 
<laughs> Sorry. So let's get into our full review and recap. So we start. The, at first, I want to say just as a general note, this movie was completely different from what I remember it. Well, it's been a long time. It's been a very it's been thirty years. Yeah, I don't think that I've. I remember liking it, and I don't remember renting it or, like you said, on TV, but you catch bits of it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I've seen it in full, like, since then. I remember it. I thought that it was more like with Salute Your Shorts, where we saw the interactions between the kids. There's so much Christopher Lloyd in this movie. Yeah. It really does star him. I mean, he has the starring billing, but I figured that... They did that when we were doing the movie. I figured they did that because he's the adult and he had a well-known name. Yeah. But it really is, like, more his... Uh, yeah, it's, a it's lot between more of, him and Mud. It's a lot more of scenes between him and Mud trying right. to pull off the scam. Yeah. Than it is between the kids themselves. Yes. And that... Anyway, well, yeah, so let's talk about the opening. What we're, So the, the, the thing I was going to say is the initial... The, the opening section of this movie is what I called the initial scam, which is when Mud... Um, Zach, Gabby, and Trish all basically are complaining they don't want to go to camp again and that they hate the camps they go to. And so they come up with the idea to basically trick their parents. Yeah, so the four camps are Camp Broadway, mm -hmm. Camp Slenderella, <laughs> a, a camp for military that I didn't catch the name of, but they, call, they make fun of it later. Yeah. But my favorite... Is Camp Micro Chippewa. <laughs> That's of course the hilarious. computer camp. I'm yeah, and we have Mud breaking the fourth wall to say I'm in hell. Yes. And then Christopher Lloyd later breaks the fourth wall as well. So we have that happening, but just twice. It's not like a motif that happens throughout. No, no, not the at film, all. which was which was weird to me. Camp Camp Slenderella. Here's here's the issue. First of all, fat camps don't work. They can be um, places where kids get bullied. They can also sometimes be places where kids who go there actually feel more comfortable because everybody's mm -hmm. overweight, right? But here's the thing. This girl is like a size two. Melody Kay, who plays Gabby, is not even chunky. No. She doesn't they even just, have a like, round face. They, they stick her in like... They stick her in bulky clothes, yeah. and then put her in more form-fitting clothes later when she is when she has lost weight during the movie. Yeah, and and her mom her, later on, her mom's like, "Oh, you're svelte," and we're like, "She looks the same." No, but they've got her in like a more form-fitting. I know, but shirt, it's but very yes. clear that she's not a chunky girl at all. She is wearing a skirt in the first scene where you can see her legs, and she's just got on a big jean jacket. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. Anyway. So so they decide to pull in um, Dennis Van Welker, who is played by Christopher Lloyd and is an ex-drama teacher. And he basically goes around, as we mentioned before, and does these little pitches in each of their parents' house. Yeah, but he Mud kind of becomes like enamored with him because he's selling this like cheese whiz product. But he can tell that he can sell it to anybody. But basically. it's what's funny to me. This is like yeah, this is this is adult eyes watching a kid film because this was supposed to be funny. It's not. 
no, it's not really. It's and he's like, oh, check this out. And he like waggles his eyebrows. Yeah, he's selling cheese whiz. Yeah. And but, to an adult, you're like, oh my god, but, whatever. But he's as, just vamping. But after they pull him in and he goes around and does his little That is funny. His little that skits, funny. right? And he he disguises himself, things like that, plays different parts. This introduces us to what I classify as possibly the greatest character in the movie and the movie relies on the most, hmm. which is Christopher Lloyd's physical comedy. Yes. That's true. Most of the movie is carried in a number of places by Christopher Lloyd's physical comedy. Yeah, so he dresses up to go to Mud's house, and he puts on, like, a Cosby sweater. Just like Mud's dad wears. Yes, and glasses. And a fake mustache. And also, I didn't catch until the middle of the movie that the fake name he's given is Mr. Wozniak. Yes. Because it's a computer camp. Right, right. And then he dresses up like a Vietnam vet. To pitch to the military camp. Right, to Zach's father to pitch the military camp. Then he dresses up like Richard Simmons. Yeah, it's a complete Richard Simmons knockoff for the fat camp. I mean, voice, like fake afro, everything. And the rainbow. The rainbow leotard he's wearing. And the short shorts. Yeah, it's... it's, it's Sorry, spot I'm on. like crying right now from laughing. It's just such a good impression. Oh man! And Richard Simmons, by all accounts, is like now a recluse, but yeah. a really lovely person. But this impression is hilarious. It's hilarious. I found the whole movie hilarious in this aspect with Christopher Lloyd. Okay, Christopher Lloyd has always been a physical comedian. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of his comedy in Back to the Future. Yeah, is physical, it is. is Doc true. Brown, but he is really expanding it in this movie. Yeah. Because he's, he's playing multiple people almost in these different guises that he has to play. And out. what's fascinating, too, is the range. We talked about this with Quantum Leap, where you have to be playing yourself playing the person. Right. So that's it's really difficult for actors to do that because you have to put on the layer that's the front for the parents, but also retain the core of the character that you're being... For the kids, right? And there's other instances where I've seen this kind of people try to do it and they can't pull it off. But it's pulled off really well in this section. Really, really well. And then, of course, he goes as the Broadway guy and he's talking about how she'll be in all these different plays and Kate Mulgrew's like, well, I just don't know. And the dad is like, she'll be gone for eight weeks? Yeah. Which was so Yeah, because he's like, well, it's... It's two weeks longer than your previous camp you used to. And the dad's like, that means two more weeks in Europe. Yeah. Like you could tell the dad they just the dad just wants her off his Oh, hands. big time. And also keeps getting her confused with her sister. Yes. And it's not her stepdad, by the way. Yeah, it's her real dad. It's her he real father. Care. He just doesn't care. Um, so it is it is quite it's quite funny. Then we have the scene with Burgess Meredith. Yeah, where they rent the camp. And it used to be a hippie commune. Yes. And and he says, This is this is right right here is where I was when it was a hippie commune. And Mud goes right here and Christopher Lloyd goes, um and he moves over like about eight inches. Yeah. It's such a good gag again. And then all right, my favorite, Betty. So yes. Mud's best friend, he has told about Mud's best friend figured out what was going on with this camp. Because he's very smart. He's also a computer geek. Yeah. And he told his crush, Betty, because there's a 
there's a rumor that she at camp went skinny dipping. Right. So he wants her to go to fake camp with him. Except that Betty has a big mouth and she shows up with all the kids behind her and she's like, Hey mud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they end up having to spread this, this gag to about 20 to 30 kids, um, which moves us into kind of the second piece, which is moving into camp. Yeah. It then jumps to them. Mud says something like, we're going to need a bus. Yes. And it jumps to like this old rental bus, basically dropping them all off at camp. And the first thing they do is, Put a bunch of mattresses outside a, a roof and run off the roof and jump onto the mattresses. Yeah, they go kind of crazy, you know, because, of course, they're really... I mean, Christopher Lloyd's character, Dennis, goes with them. Well, but he's staying in his own cabin kind of, like, on the other side of the property and is really not parental guidance. Yeah, we forgot to mention that this is where the character actor that you mentioned before, he's been chasing Christopher Lloyd... Yes, yeah. So he's a basically a repo guy. There's a yellow gremlin, very distinct car, by the way. Yeah. And he's trying to repossess it or get the money for all the missed payments. Um, we also have the sheriff kind of come into play because he's always out eat, just eating and reading a book because it's a very sleepy town normally. Yes. And then there's all these reports of kids everywhere running around getting into trouble. Yeah. So he's kind of trying to figure that out. The kids use a lot of the money to buy TVs and toys and bikes and dirt bikes and snacks. Yeah, but before that we see kind of the problem that Mud is in where he wanted to just be a kid this summer and he finds himself laying out the ground rules number one they have to write letters home once a week mm -hmm. um number two in town just pretend you don't speak english yeah if anyone talks to you you don't speak english number three if there's a taco bell anywhere in town let him know right which is a throwaway joke and then the planes go overhead yeah because they're near an air force base but but that never pays off either that's the only that it's twice that that gag is used and never again yeah. Which is kind of well, funny. It's used, it's used during the parents' day. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're yeah. Right, you're right. So there is a payoff eventually. And then they have this Lord of the Flies moment where um, they're plugging in a TV and this one girl goes, if I don't see Dylan, I'll die. Which is funny because I think that was the girl who plays Betty and she was in 90210 a couple yeah. episodes. Um, but they have a bonfire where they throw the diet shakes the books of Rogers and Hammerstein, the computer DOS manual yeah. for programming. And then somebody says, throw in the cello. Yeah, and they throw in this $1,000 cello. And I'm like, for a minute, from a kid's perspective, I probably didn't get that. Like, you just have an instrument, and a lot of times it's from your school. Mm -hmm. As an adult, I'm like, that cello, the, the least amount of money that cello is is $600. It's right. probably closer to $1,200. Don't throw the cello in the bonfire. Also, you're going to get bored on rainy days. You could just play your cello for yeah. fun. Just enjoy that cello. Um, then they play some flashlight tag. But you're right. Yeah, so we have this thing. Um, Mud has all the money. Mm -hmm. And everybody wants some of the money. And then they go nuts. And it's like a, a parade. It's, not, it's before Amazon. Yeah, but they have like delivery trucks dropping off toys and TVs and... All sorts of stuff. Yeah. TVs, Nerf guns, guitar, electric guitars. We threw away the chillum, but we got an electric yeah, guitar. Yeah, it's the same kid. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> yeah. he, he grabs it out of the back of a truck and goes, now this beats a cello. Yeah. Um, Trish and Zach are doing some big time flirting. Mud and Gabby are kind of friend awkward flirting a little bit. So we get a little bit of character development. This is the point. So as a 13, 14 year old watching this, I thought it was really cute. As an adult watching this, I don't want to watch 12 year old kids flirt with each other. <laughs> or 14 year old kids it's so awkward and they kind of have andrew keegan's character zach be like he's kind of like a leader mud is like an underdeveloped he hasn't really hit puberty yet mm -hmm. he's the same age as andrew keegan's character but andrew keegan is more acts more like an older kid and yeah. he's always talking about how he's going to drop out of school. And I'm like, you're 14. Well, he has this bully reputation, even though he's not really he's not a bully. He's not really a bully, yeah. But he's got a reputation of it. So all the kids kind of respect, like, they listen to him. Right. And Trish is kind of the most popular girl in school. Yeah. Um, although Betty seems to me like the really cool one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She wears, she wears hats. I had and hats. nothing to swim, apparently. Well, yeah. Based off the well, what's, no, what's funny, though, is when they finally go to the to show. So now we're kind of coming into the bit where they're at the camp. They've right. moved in. They're there. So Betty, they're at the beach and like on rafts mm -hmm. around kind of bobbing around the dock. And Betty is there in. She's got like an umbrella over her and like a black. She's completely covered up. And I think part of that is the joke that. She swam naked. Yeah. But part of it is that she's a redhead. Yeah. <laughs> she needs the... And Mud's friend, I think his name's Walter. Yes, Walter. Like, continuously is trying to get her to go swimming. Oh, yeah, big time. Because he's just hoping to get her skinny dipping with him. Yeah. Not that he... he this is a kid that goes to computer camp, too. He would not know what to do with a girl doing skinny dipping. No, he really wouldn't. He just has this idea that that would be cool. Yeah. And that's probably something he's heard about. Yeah. The other thing is that he never says it directly, so it's not exactly like... He's not exactly sexually harassing her, but she knows what's up. Yeah. And she's annoyed by it. Yeah, he's like, hey, don't you want to go swimming? And she's like, no, I don't want to go swim." She's like, no, I do not want to go swimming. Like, very, yeah. like, stop asking me to go swimming. It's just kind of funny. Um, yeah, but they're doing kind of messing around stuff that I would think in real life kids might be bored after, like, two weeks. No, the interesting part is they get bored. Yeah. Right? There's a one point where it's raining and they're stuck indoors, and they've pretty much become bored of most of their toys. But and before that, they have a competition, and, the, and he gets injured, and that's how... Oh, yeah, he gets hurt. He gets hurt during 4th of July. He gets hurt because he tapes Roman candles... To his helmet. To a helmet and skateboards down the ramp to do, like, a dive. They're doing, right. like, a dive competition. Um, and he falls over, and the Roman candle burns his arm. So he goes to Dennis's cabin. Dennis wants to take him home, but instead he talks him into taking him to this doctor. And this doctor and Dennis start like a little romance, but he's a con artist. So everything he's telling, it's like he's catfishing her. Yeah. Everything she's, he's telling her she's is She's a, a cute lady, but she is the dumbest doctor I've ever seen in my life. She's nice. She's, bless her heart. But bless her heart, yeah. <laughs> she's just not overly bright. Also randomly when he goes to dennis's oh this is yeah so 
then the the rain happens and he goes to Dennis again. Yeah. Dennis in real life would be like, leave me alone. Yeah, Dennis is just trying to live his best life out in a cabin. <laughs> yeah. He's getting paid a grand for this over the summer. And he this kid keeps coming to him and being like, hey, we need help again. But when he comes in, he's listening randomly to Winston Churchill. Records of Winston Churchill. Yeah. And he says, who's this? And he says, it's Winston Churchill. Well, because he was theater, right? And he yeah. says, it's Winston Churchill who is like the Jimi Hendrix of speakers, right? Of orators. And the kid Mud goes, who's Jimi Hendrix? And he goes, the Michael Jordan of guitar players. Yeah. So he makes like a double um, metaphor. It's pretty hilarious. It's also, that's a that's a baby boomer joke for the parents of the audience. Yeah. Right? Um. So he comes out and they do mud games, which we did all the time yeah. at camp. They do did like rain. Do they do like Olympics out in the rain. We did that all the time. Um, we would hook up whenever it rained. We would set up like a mega slip and slide. Mm-hmm. Um, and it there was not a big incline, but a tiny bit of an incline. And we'd go off of that into the mud. Yeah. We would um, do a thing where the kids would like paint tempera paint on each other or on the counselors and then we go out in the rain and like let it wash off and this brought up one of my big questions Uh uh-huh with the concept here who's doing their laundry yeah because they're there for eight weeks we don't see any washers or dryers this is a very old camp that they rented yeah and like when i was at camp like every week or two we went home to do laundry because you Uh. didn't bring eight weeks of clothes with you um or the people who were too far from home, like went into town to find a laundromat. Like you had to, you had to do wash. I don't know. I can't remember. Well, how you we got did. to camp at a college, so you. No, no, no. Won't. But when I was at the Christian camp, I was there the entire summer. I think that we had. I I think that we had a laundry on camp because we had to wash all the, like the sheets from the. Mm-hmm. Um, bunk beds and all that. Okay. So I think that that's how we ended up doing it. Okay. But this is, yeah, this is a good question because another question practical that comes up, where are they getting food? Because they've spent all their money on toys and guitars. Well, at one point we see Gabby making food. Right. But, and it's it's very clear. But they bought they bought a lot of food, in, like snack junk food, when they bought the the, the toys. Yeah. But that would also not last eight weeks for most yeah. kids. Well, right? it's hilarious because we see Gabby is making food. She's making sandwiches. And she, of course, was supposed to go to fat camp and she didn't want to eat any diet food. But she ate so much junk food that she's sick of it now and wants to eat night good, better food. Which is really the idea behind intuitive eating. Yeah. That, it, you, that diets don't work and that you should just eat what you want and eventually you'll get to your set point. Mm-hmm. I have not found that to work. <laughs> I have found that if you, for me at least, if you have kind of an issue with like sugar, you're never going to get sick of that. <laughs> you're never, that's never, that's never going to go away for you. But it does for her at any rate. I know other people who says it works for them. So whatever. But um, yeah, I thought that this, this thing with them trying to entertain themselves was interesting as well because they do have help from Dennis. But I think that, this is just at the cusp of the beginning of the internet, 94, you know? And that took a lot of that away. Electronics took a lot of, like, 
entertaining yourself and right. going outside and coming up with like now we're gonna do Greco-Roman wrestling. Now we're gonna do synchronized swimming in the mud. Yeah. Um. I also did synchronized swimming one year, so that was a fun scene to see because you don't usually hear about synchronized swimming. Um. But then, at any rate, Mud's trying to tell them that they have to write home, and he's he's like, "Here's what we did at the fam camp this week," and nobody's listening to him, and he yells, "Stop doing that! You'll poke your eye out." And then he's like, oh, my God, I'm becoming my father. <laughs> you can have that realization at 40, but when you have it at 12, yes. it's like a well, moment of crisis. As sort of the leader, he's been put in a position where he feels responsible for all these kids now, and he, he's not having any fun. He's running the camp, basically. Right. And so he goes off to sit in the bus that he's camping in, and that's when Gabby comes to comfort him. And they have the most awkward interaction that I did not want to watch. They sort of flirt, but not really. Then they agree that when they both grow older and get out of their weird phase, that they won't date like jerks and bullies and like just kind of like popular girls, but they'll date people like one another. Ex they'll date each other. And they're like, people no, like us. Yeah, Daddy like, J. Yeah, he yeah. says we could date each other. And she lights up. Oh, yeah. And time. he's like, I mean, people like us. Because it's too much and, for him. And then they shake hands and do a long touch. But also he tells her, a lot of girls start out kind of lumpy like you, but eventually they get chests. And he's like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, here's why I didn't want to watch this. I know that you as a young man had game when were when did you first go on a date middle school right so like sixth grade seventh or whatever yeah somewhere that okay i did not and this is so uncomfortably close to reality this was the most real conversation in the entire movie it seems ridiculous it is not okay when you are very awkward and a nerd and you have a friend and you're like we kind of like each other, but we don't we don't understand social cues of how to navigate this, right? This is it's awful. Oh my god. It's so it was like cringeworthy. And not in like a funny office or like Larry David kind of way. Right. Just like honest cringe. Honest cringe. Awful. Um then we see the opposites with Zach and Trish. Who um, Allison Mack is homesick, and he even she wants though, to make a necklace. Even though Zach's a bully, he well, he's trying to take her mind off it. So he's like, yeah. "Do you want to help me with a carburetor?" Because he's working on a yeah, car, she's and like, she's like, no. "No." She's like a twelve-year-old girl with a stuffed <laughs> animal. Yeah. And he's like, "How about he said, said like how about riding a dirt bike?" She's like, "No." And he's she's like, "Do you know how to make necklaces?" And he was like, "All right, I guess." And he gets like car parts and yes. he's like pick which ones of these you like we'll make a necklace tomorrow <laughs> and so of course um trish sees this and, and sees his sweet like interaction with this girl and also in the background linger is playing yes and she's like <laughs> that was really sweet and she's trying to be nice and of course he has to ruin it because he's sitting on the floor below her and he looks up and she's in sweatshirts and a jean yeah or jeans and a sweatshirt he looks up and goes you know if you were wearing a skirt right now i'd be in heaven well he intentionally tries to muff it i think because yeah. he is awkward just like mud but in a different way right so he it, it's clear that he's not got the skills either yeah. right and she says that's kind of immature isn't it 
Yeah, and so, then she makes her move. She's like, I'm not afraid of you because you think you're a tough guy and you're actually not. And then they do Kessick. Yes, that's true. Which was still awkward because they're 14 and you're like, how much 14-year-olds get? So weird. <laughs> Even though in real life, I think Andrew Keegan is older than I am. I'm like, it's still, I don't like yeah. this. Um, so at any rate, we have another scene with the doctor. She flirts more with Christopher Lloyd. And then we come to what was as a kid my favorite part of the movie, the big con. Yes, the big con. They find out the parents are coming, so they have to put on a parent's day. Yes. And the doctor finds out that Christopher Lloyd's character has been lying to her and is like, well, okay. And just kind Again, of... dumbest doctor I've Just ever... kind of goes with it and is like, I, I like you and I, you're, you're all right by me. Yeah. And she's, just... like, she's like, that's not okay. These kids need guidance. If, they, if, if these kids are alone for a night, they'll get sick... Or injured. And I'm like, that's not necessarily true. But, I mean, you do have to watch out for kids, right? But the fact that they're alone for a night doesn't mean that they're going to get ill. Like, that has nothing to do with, like, disease, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but then she, and then he's like, if it makes you feel any better, I'll let you examine every every kid. And I'm like, that doesn't seem legal. Right? He doesn't have the ability yeah, to, to sign her off as a and doctor we, to examine again, children. I wonder if there's some deleted scenes because it kind of comes to a head with her. And then that storyline is just kind of dropped and they're just dating. But yes. I wonder if there was a deleted scenes where like even a montage where all the kids are lined up and she's like got a thermometer. You know what I'm saying? And it would be funny if she was like, yup, you got a cut that's infected. Yup, you sprained your ankle. Right. Like that would have been kind of funny like to acknowledge that. But we don't really get any kind of scene like that. Um, but so the parents are coming. The kids are ready to give Mud up. Mud tells Zach to shut the F yeah, up. Yeah, the kids are ready to give up. They're like, we can't do this. We can't outsmart our parents. And and all the kids are just giving up, including Zach. And Mud, who's never really heard, finally is like, shut up, Zach. Yeah. And kind of steps up for himself. And the bit. drama teacher is just watching from the back because he told Mud that the most important thing in drama was to speak your lines so people could hear them. Right. <laughs> so Mud kind of learns... Not just being the grunt work person who's doing the right thing all the time, but he learns how to be a leader. Yes. And Zach kind of learns how to be a better leader because he can show that he supports Mud and he's a good guy and people still listen to him, but he doesn't have to act like a bully or pretend to be a bully mm -hmm. to be a leader of that group, right? Um, but this is so great. The military camp, the Broadway camp, the fat camp, and the computer camp... They're all having. They stage them like two hours apart, and they just like as I mentioned earlier, they're basically f going in front of each group of parents and switching over the camp. Which, in reality, you know, somebody's parent would talk to somebody, and they'd be like, "Oh, well, that's where you my kids so. at camp. Yeah, well, that's where my kids at," and they would figure it out. But they don't hear. So we have this great scene where <laughs> Zach's dad comes in first and he basically puts him in a foxhole and makes him stay there yeah makes it seem like he's under fire and he's like live action we have live action activities today like stay down stay in your foxhole yeah and then the broadway parents come in and they hit the tail end of annie yeah they basically go 
well, you're just here. You're just here in time to catch the end. And they're like, what? And they're like, yeah, it started at nine. And they're like, we thought it started at noon. Yeah. Which, of course, they did on purpose, right? And then we have the fat camp where the parents are being forced to do leg lifts and aerobics. By Christopher Lloyd in his Richard Simmons it's persona. Richard Simmons outfit. But it's so great because you can tell, too, again, these parents are really out of touch with their kids. Right. Yeah. So the Broadway parents don't care about their kids, just want to get rid of them. Mm. The fat pan care, the fat camp parents, some of them are overweight themselves, but oh, it's the kids problem. We better make mm. them work out, but they can't work out either. Yeah. Not some of them can't lift their legs even. Yeah. And then we've got the computer camp where they're playing a video game pretending that they're hacking that they've hacked the pentagon and they're like let's do a quick flyover and the parents are like they, they no they can't really have hacked the pentagon and then the jets fly over yes. which they know happens at that time of day and the parents are like what and they're like yeah well that's it guys that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so great you're right i forgot that that gag happened so it finally pays off so it looks like they've won the day but but mr polk yep. the guy who's trying to hunt down christopher lloyd's character as well as the sheriff, end up pulling in to investigate and running into Mud's parents. Right. And the gig is up, as they say. And the, they find out. Isn't it the jig is up? I like gig, because that's like, this was their gig. It was an acting gig. It's and the their jig. Gig like, is they, up. like they jiggery-rigged the thing, and now the jig is up. The gig is up. because well, up like, I can't. Because it was a, it's an acting gig. Okay. <laughs> okay. You say potato, I'll say potato. I mean, they're not two different pronunciations. They're like two different words. But anyway, yeah, the the jig or the gig is up, however you want to put it. And um and everybody has kind of figured out what's going on. They have to come clean. And they of course, they blame Christopher Lloyd's character. They blame mm-hmm. Dennis. And they want to take him in. And Mud's like, "If where's the money then? And they're like, where is the money? That's a good question. He goes, if he's in on it, then why is the money in my shoe? Yeah. And he takes out a lot of cash. And he's got all this money left over. Because um, he's been very frugally not spending it on crazy guitars and things. Right. And then... So the, they kind of explained to the they kind of explained to the parents that they all wanted to be kids and just have an enjoyable summer, and have a little bit of freedom, and um, then everything's kind of resolved. Yeah, right. Mud, Mud uses the money that's left over to pay off the debt that Christopher Lloyd has for the car. For the car, Christopher Lloyd goes off with the doctor. Yep. Dumbest Again, doctor dumbest in doctor world. in the world. I don't know how they're going to live their life because she seems like she's got it together, but whatever. I, I don't, apparently not. Apparently I don't know not. how she's going to keep her medical license the way she <laughs> does, makes decisions. But And then um, Zach goes home with Trish because yep. his dad's still in a foxhole. And they do a little making out. No, they kiss. No, his dad left. He jumped out of the foxhole. He's oh. like, he's like, oh, interrogation's next. And his dad's like, well, you know, I got a business meeting. I better right. get out of here. So Zach goes with Trish. They kiss. Mm-hmm. And then she kisses Mud on the cheek. Um, Gabby comes up and punches him and said, hey, only ex-geeks. And he's like, yeah. And then they do tongue kissing for a really they, they go in long time. Mud goes in for a kiss. And I'm like, oh, this is cute. And then Mud slings some tongue in there. 
Like, and I was like, legitimately, Whoa. you think that they're going to peck on the lips because they've been building up to it and they're friends. There is a full makeout scene that is longer than 45 seconds. And I'm telling you, that doesn't sound like a long time, but it is. But when you're watching 14-year-olds do it, it is. It is so awkward. Then we have kind of a tag at the end where Walter is swimming. There's still some of them at the camp. Walter's swimming. Betty comes up to him, and you're only seeing her shoulders and head above the water. Yeah. And she says, Walter, do you have the guts? And he goes, what? And she says, do you have the guts? And she holds up a swimsuit and, like, drops the swim bottoms. And he goes, okay. And he puts his swimsuit on top of, like, a boogie board. And she goes, I guess you do have the guts, but you don't have an extra swimsuit. And she gets up and she's just wearing a strapless bathing suit. Yeah, and, and she, she takes, takes his, his and leaves him. Leaves him naked the in the pond. That's the end. So it had a great ending, at least. Yeah. Um, what did other people think of it? How is it on Rotten Tomatoes? So Rotten Tomatoes, Camp Nowhere scored a 17. Oh, no. Um, 17% of critics gave it a good rating. Yes. That is sad. Audience on Cinema Score gave it a B. Okay. Out of A through F. So that's not as bad. Yeah. Um, Janet Maislin of the New York Times gave the film a positive review. She thought it could have been predictable and awful, but that it had a funny screenplay and good humor direction. Okay. Um, and a nice young cast, which we said, too. The cast was phenomenal, Yeah, the actually. cast was great. Um. You know, she said that a lot of the cast had television experience, and they brought a sturdy, no-frills professionalism to their roles. Mm. Um, the Washington Post gave it a positive review and said, instead of the usual coming-of-age coarseness, this celebrated, like, kid power, kind of. Yeah, it did, and it, it you're right that it wasn't... He's right, at least, that it was not... It was not coarse, gross-out humor, some of yeah. which we got in Camp Nowhere. Yeah. It was really, it really is kind of a gentle film. The Austin Chronicle gave it two out of five stars. And was this was one of the critical reviews. And uh, the writer said, it depends mostly on Lloyd's crazy characters to hold the narrative yeah. together. And that works for a brief moment in the film. And that, like, no kid is going to buy into a movie that revolves around a geek who isn't a geek and a fat girl who isn't fat. Yeah. I don't um, disagree with that either. Uh so yeah, you know, and and I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not as critical as the Austin Chronicle was, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I do believe, as I mentioned before, that I think Christopher Lloyd's comedy carried a lot of of the movie. Yeah, and I think, to be honest, I think that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. What I realized about this movie watching it this time, watching it again now, I did kind of ruin my childhood with it. Um, because it was not what I remember. And I feel like they had a very good premise. The part where he's going and the, the, the let's get the team together, where he's going to the different houses and stuff, that part was good. And it wasn't too long. It was like right. the first 15 minutes or so of the movie, maybe 20. The end part with the parents' date is brilliant. Yes. Right? It's the middle part that does nothing. And literally goes nowhere. Right. <laughs> like, and the that's name the implies. part where it, they utilize a lot of Christopher Lloyd. And they shouldn't. To keep it going. They shouldn't have. I mean, the, from like the characters he's playing, um, the getting stuck and walking through a car wash, it's a lot of physical comedy. There's a lot of ridiculous um, antics. Okay. Yes. And I think that the movie would have been better 
if he had actually gone away in the middle, mm-hmm. like he said he's going to, and maybe they bring him out for like the mud day thing. Yeah. And then they have to go to him and convince him to help with parents day and do right. it all over again. Because the middle part, to me at least, I think that the middle part should have been these kids at camp. Mm-hmm. And what I would have liked to have seen more character development because the kids are good actors and they could have handled it. So how does the bully actually, other than one scene with Allison Mack, how does he actually change now that he's out of that environment, now that they're with a smaller group where there's 20 kids instead of a school of 200? Right. And there's no parental influence. How does he develop some actual leadership skills and yeah. some and some kind and let his kindness show? The popular girl Trish, we don't see her change much at all. And I would love to see her interacting with, like, again, Allison Mack's character is like a little sister. Mm-hmm. Jessica Alba's character could have been a little sister to her. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up caring about somebody where at school she doesn't care about anybody but herself. Right. Right? The girl who is fat finds self-esteem. Like, they could have all had character arcs. And there are other movies featuring camp... Um, I think maybe if I'm remembering heavyweights, right. Um, the other one, there's like, even like parent trap. They have a long part of that movie Mm -hmm. takes place at camp and it's all about the kids. And I just didn't, I didn't like that. They brought Christopher Lloyd in. They could have also gone in a really darker way of like a very much a Lord of the Flies kind of situation Yeah, where you have kids unsupervised for eight weeks for the most part. And as we know from from that novel, right, society breaks down. And we could see the kids not listening to anybody. For the most part, they all listen to Mud. Yeah, kind or of, Zach, yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, there's a couple times where, like, they take their money and buy toys, but it's a goofy thing. Right. Right? It, there really still is a hierarchy here, and nobody's hurting anyone. Everyone's having a fun time, even when they're bored. Yeah, and even the injury that happens, it's a very minor. He yes. has a burn. Yeah, but and they, that's really only a reason just for Christopher Lloyd to meet the doctor. Yeah, they didn't have to go, like, super dark, but they could have, like, had a moment where these kids are just messing around. Mm-hmm. Somebody breaks their arm and maybe then step in, take yeah. them to the doctor. But then they're like, hey, we should maybe have some rules yeah. around here. And then they all start behaving a little bit more... Yeah. And they start all becoming responsible and figuring out how how difficult it is to be in a responsible role. And how difficult it is to keep yourself entertained for eight weeks. There's, I thought, other than the one scene where they're bored for a little bit when it's raining, that's totally unrealistic because there's only so many times you could go to the beach. There's only so many Nerf ball games you can have. I liked the the actress that played the doctor, but the doctor was 100% unnecessary. Yeah. Completely. Right. If, like we said before, Christopher Lloyd had less time in this, yeah, there was not even a need for him to have a love interest. No, what would have been funny to me would have been they get bored and they start doing some of the activities they didn't want to do. Yeah. The girls decide to put on some skits. Right. One of the boys decides, hey, you know what? I'm going to teach you maybe not the cello because I hate it, but I'll teach you how to play the guitar. Mm-hmm. Mud is like, you know, I kind of do like computers. You know, we see the twins playing video games, right? right? But I think that that would have been funny. Or maybe Mud is like, hey, I want to learn guitar. Yeah, and, then, and maybe they teach each other stuff. And they teach each other. There's so many possibilities here that were kind of wasted to me. So that we've talked a little bit about 
the response the critics have. And a little bit of ours. What's your rating? What's Yeah, what's the rating? So out of pine trees. Right, I forgot. Ten pine trees. Um, I'm going to give it... I was, you know, I'm not impressed. I know. Right? I wanted to like the movie. Um, and I, I was going to go actually real low. Mm. But the cast and Christopher Lloyd brought it up for me a bit. Okay. So I'm going to give it five pine trees. Yeah, I'm about the same spot. And I, so I always, when we watch something, I kind of have in my mind before going in, I like to kind of say, what do I, like, based on my childhood memory, what do I think I'm going to rate this? Mm. And I thought that this was going to be like an eight. I thought it was going to be, I gave a higher rating to Troop Beverly Hills, where Mm. we do see some of the development of the girls, still a lot focused on Shelley Long. Right. But we do see some of the girls and and how they interact at camp and in Scouts. Mm. Um, That is like a guilty pleasure movie that I would watch again. Right. I don't know that I would watch this again. It was really slow in the middle. Um, I do think that the characters are interesting. I just don't think they had enough to do. Right. So I'm going to go with a six. Okay, so I'm at a five, you're at a six. Yeah, and I would say, you know, does this ruin their childhood? You, ah, it kind of does for me. Not And not that it ruins my childhood, but there's a disconnect. And this is mm-hmm. why. As someone, like we talk, we both have a lot of camp, summer camp experience, right? Yeah. I, at watching this movie... I, and I would have done this, I think, as a kid, too. I watched this movie and said, oh, it's a summer camp movie written by someone who never really went to summer camp. Yes. It's written by, this is what I think summer camp yes. is supposed to be. You're right. And ultimately, this makes me want to watch the movie I almost picked for this week, which was Indian Summer. Okay. Um, That movie is about seven friends who were at camp in 1970s. And then they go back in the 1990s as like almost a camp reunion kind of thing. Okay. It's a little bit like the big chill, mm-hmm. but they have, and even though um, I'm getting like goosebumps thinking about it, it's such a good movie. I didn't pick it because I didn't think anybody else would know it for mm-hmm. the podcast. But um, I highly recommend watching that because if you did go to camp, that movie to me has the nostalgia of camp, especially from adult looking back on what you were like as a kid and right. what that freedom of being at camp, what that was actually Well, don't like. go too much into it because maybe we'll do it in the maybe. future. Maybe. Hopefully. So total, together. Yeah. Five, five and, and a half, half pine, pine trees, trees out, out of, of ten. ten. Five and a half pine trees for Camp Nowhere. Two, two and, and a half, half pine, pine trees, trees for gummy worms. worms. We're kind of in the middle on both. Yeah. Meh, meh. Meh. Last time, at least, we had a good snack. This time, we kind of... It wasn't bad. It just wasn't, you know, phenomenal. And now we're coming to a show that I know our listeners probably watch, but I don't care for. (laughs) So, that brings us to... What is Steve willing to watch? Okay. All right. I've prepped myself for this pain. All right. So... We have a cycle on this show. Um, We just did My Little Pony for our cartoon. Salute Your Shorts for our TV show. Camp Nowhere for our movie. We also had a bonus in there, Double Dare, which was a listener suggestion. Mm -hmm. Coming up, 
our new cycle, we have Scooby-Doo, and then, to celebrate back to school, we have Reading Rainbow and After School Specials. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, so that's going to be our new cycle. Our new cycle, yep. Our new cycle. So, because of that, you get to pick some episodes of Scooby-Doo. All right. Um, I know, I want to say, we are aware that this is not from the 80s or 90s, but it kind of is. Yeah, it was It was in the 60s, right? 60s yeah, it started in 69. Yeah, but, ever but it was always on TV in the 80s. Yeah, and there are other iterations of it. Just mm-hmm. because of what we can find and what we can't find at the moment, we decided to just do, this is the original the cartoon. original Scooby-Doo. A different time, we'll do like Scrappy-Doo yeah. <laughs> and the new adventures of Scooby-Doo. And maybe at some point it's hitting the very tail end. We might do the live action film. Mm. But for right now, we're just doing the original cartoon. Yeah. So, um, I'm just going to read you some, I picked the pilot or what I can, I think is the pilot Mm -hmm. from what I can tell this is on Tubi. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So season two, I'm just going to go one, two, three, four, all in a row. Okay. Ready? Episode one, nowhere to hide. H Y D E. Okay. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Uh, I think. The titles say enough. Yep. Just give me the titles. <laughs> Episode two, Mystery Mask Mix-Up. Episode three, Jeepers, It's the Creeper. Okay, I like your voice. Episode four, Scooby's Night at with a Frozen Fright. Episode five, Haunted House Hang-Up. Or episode six, a tiki scare is no fair. I think I have to go with the hide. Okay. Nowhere to hide, H-Y-D-E. So it's a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of theme. Yep. The gang tracks a jewel thief to the house of inventor Dr. Jekyll. Awesome. So we'll be watching that. I really wanted the one with the Harlem Globetrotters. And if we can find That's that. That's a special, I think, though, right? It's a special. I don't know whether it's on here or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll take a look for it if we can find it. I just, even part of it, I just find it hilarious. And um, yeah, that's it for us. So we had, I would say, maybe skip Camp Nowhere. You know, we gave it a five and a half. So, I mean... If you're mm. bored and you don't have anything to do, it's better than a stick in the eye. But, I mean, it's not Or if fantastic. you remember it differently and you think we're wrong, let, let us, us know. know. Um, you can do that mostly on our Facebook page. Um, a lot of interaction there. A lot of people, like, private message us. But, like, just put it on the page. It's fine. You yeah. can do that. And um, don't forget, please, it really helps us to be seen when you leave a review. Um, if you don't like the show, don't. <laughs> If you're enjoying the show, um, rate and review. It does. It really helps us to be seen by other people who might also enjoy it. So that's it for me. I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. Have a great week, everybody. This podcast is supported by its creators. And listeners like you. Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. There you can find links to our social media. And this very podcast you're currently listening to. Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page. And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast. And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well. 
We also post bonus content about once a month. So like, subscribe, and follow. For a small independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference.